0: Hi, I'm Joe Rochelle, and this is Girl Wonder, a thoughtful and relaxing podcast that analyzes comics on Webtoon. If you want to dive deep into theories and relive some of the biggest moments in your favorite Webtoons, then you're absolutely in the right place. Sit back, relax, and we'll get started. Today on the podcast, we are discussing episodes 143 through 147, including the mid-season finale of Sub-Zero by the incredible Juniper. I especially can't wait to talk to you about the couples of Sub-Zero, the romances between Clove and Cairo, Karis and Noren, Raina and Erin. Man, were there some steamy kisses in these episodes, and I have some interesting theories to discuss with you. I really can't wait. But before that, I want to encourage you to support the creator of this awesome comic, Juniper. So just this past week on Juniper's Patreon, which is patreon.com Juniper, spelt like the month June and purr like a cat makes the sound purr with three R's. She posted some panels from the upcoming season. There's a lot of exclusive content there. So definitely check out June Purse Patreon, which I will leave the link to in the description box of this podcast episode. And if you find yourself enjoying this podcast, please join my Patreon at patreon.com slash girl wonder. I post early access and I have fun discussion threads where I talk with my patrons. You can hear my patrons' voices in many podcast episodes. So the link to that is also in the description box. And before we start our top cities that have listened to this podcast the most in the last seven days, well, the first two are cities in Mexico, Zapopan and Guadalajara. And the next two after that are in Bahrain in the Middle East, Arifa and Manama. And then the next one is Valencia, which is in Spain. And I think it's fun that we have an international audience. After Valencia comes El Paso in Texas. And so we're representing three different countries in the top cities that have listened to this podcast the most in the last seven days. And I suspect people are listening to older episodes because now the podcast has come back from a short hiatus. Thank you all who are listening right now. Thank you for waiting through this hiatus. I appreciate you so much. So without further ado, Let's talk about Sub-Zero. Sub-Zero, episode 143. Here's what's been happening. Clove and Cairo started their royal tour where they visit the villages in their kingdom. And Clove sniffed out right away that the governor of this particular village is corrupt. None of the grain, none of the food, none of the resources the dragons gave to the poor famished people of this village is actually making it to the poor famished people. This governor is in league with the vipers and he's dealing with the phantasm who is the leader of the vipers. So in episode 143, we pick up with the governor delivering five caravans of grain to the phantasm and the vipers in the middle of the night. Hiding behind some trees in the woods are Clove and Norin watching the whole thing go down. And I have to say, I really like their outfits here. I like those masks and I'm willing to suspend my disbelief that you wouldn't notice Clove's red, fiery hair in the night. (laughs) If she's wearing a mask, you can't tell who she is. They look great, and that's what matters. We go back in time to earlier that day when they brought an injured, somewhat poisoned Cairo to an older woman in the village, Hina, who has proven herself to be a kind yet firm woman who actually cares a lot about the poor people suffering all around her. Hina gives Cairo some medicine that will clear the toxins from his blood. And Cairo is the one who overheard about those five caravans of grain being delivered to the phantasm that night. So he gives that information to them. And they realize this is the same phantasm who sent those men to the palace to kill Clove back in episode 36. The vipers have been trying to get her for a long time. They've been against these dragons For a long time. Clove says, Before Faye died, she told me he was thought to possess unnatural abilities. Most importantly, he has a poison capable of impairing dragons. That's not good, but it is interesting to hear this about the phantasm, who's a mysterious character. We will be talking about it, we will be theorizing about it, don't you worry. Clove is determined to go after the vipers. To which Cairo objects, but then she kisses his forehead and says, if there's anyone the poison won't work on, it's me. Don't worry, I have a plan. And that's a good question. Do you think that poison that would get a dragon and impair a dragon wouldn't hurt Clove? I'm really curious about that. She's not really able to shift into a dragon. So does that mean she wouldn't be able to be poisoned either, at least? with this particular poison that got Cairo? I'm really curious about that. For me, I think she still could be poisoned. That's just my personal opinion, because at the end of the day, Clove is not a regular human being. She does things regular humans can't do. She dreams things regular humans don't dream. You know what I mean? She comes from a long bloodline, of like magical abilities. So I think the poison very well could work on her. And she was just saying that as a guess in hopes of getting Cairo to calm down as she leaves him to go fight someone really scary. I think that's where I'm leaning right now. Let me know your thoughts. So back to Clove's plan. Six hours later, Clove and Norin wait behind the trees for Karis to give her signal. And it happens pretty much right away. Kar shows up in dragon form and the phantasm sees this and thinks the governor set him up and asked the dragons to come. So Clove, Norrin, and the crimson soldiers charge ahead to ambush the vipers. Oh, how the tables have turned since episode 36. Back when Clove was running and hiding from the vipers and begging for herself to shift, Would you look at her now? She is charging ahead on a horse. She is ready to mess some vipers up. (laughs) I love that. I think when the phantasm spotted Clove on her horse, he says to himself out loud, how interesting. So I wonder if he knows her. It seems like he was reacting to it being Clove. Like maybe they've met before. I think it's going to be a big reveal whenever that jade mask comes off. Azure Roses commented on this episode of the webtoon and said, Really random, but wouldn't it be interesting if the phantasm was a dragon? Maybe a certain crimson dragon? Also, the opposite of red is green, which coincidentally is the color of the jade vipers. So maybe just speculating, it's a red herring. No pun intended. Also, a phantasm can relate to illusions just thought it was an interesting tidbit and maybe this character is related to the dragons family or not. Hmm, I think that's an interesting theory from Azure Roses. To me, it's very likely that the phantasm could be somebody that we know in the story, someone related to someone, either on Cairo's side or Cloves. I've seen guesses for both and I really just don't know where I think it's going to land. For all we know, The Phantasm could just be a new character, someone we've never met before. That's always a possibility. But I do like that that commenter said that Phantasm can also mean illusion. So there's some trickery going on here. Appleby commented on this episode of the Webtoon and said, Does anyone think the Phantasm could be Clove's father? I'm not sure what we know about him, but the mention of the phantasm having a poison that can inhibit dragons, and the fact that Clove has never been able to access her dragon form makes me wonder. What if Saya trusted the wrong person? Hmm. I have to say this is one of the reasons I love the Sub-Zero community because the theories are always so great and so interesting because now I'm sitting here wondering if Clove's dad is somehow the phantasm. (laughs) Some evil, evil character. Can you imagine seeing your daughter charging toward you and being like, how interesting? He, The phantasm is not a nice person. So it'd be really wild and interesting if Clove's father was the phantasm. And when she was younger, he somehow inhibited her powers and made it so that she couldn't shift. I know we definitely have our tinfoil hats on for that one. And I'm loving it. So as the vipers scatter... Karis asks Norin to come with her above the tree line, which he doesn't want to do because he gets really sick when he's up high. So do I, by the way. Sometimes I will just climb like two, three flights of stairs and I'm like, oh, whoa, I'm dizzy. (laughs) The vertigo, it got me. So I get it. I kind of empathize with Norin every time this happens to him. So Karis says, perhaps dot, 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 a kiss may calm your nerves. And then they kiss, and Norrin looks surprised the entire time. He does not close his eyes in this kiss. His eyes are wide open, but I know he's enjoying it. <laughs> it made me happy to see. Hannah commented and said, Can't be freaking out about heights when your heart is beating wildly for a different reason. <laughs> it's true. That's facts right there. Sally L commented and said, Oh, M.G. I think the first grandchild for the empress will not be the child of Cairo and Clove. (laughs) Can you imagine? Can you imagine if the first babies are Noren's and (laughs) Karas's? It's a possibility. I'm not ruling that out. Meanwhile, Clove is chasing down the vipers across a bridge. So one of them catches her and threatens to slice her with a dagger. And then Cairo shows up in his dragon form and saves her. Apparently, Hina's tea really helped him recover. He's able to shift. He no longer looks super poisoned. So this is a good thing. Still, there are vipers trying to cross that bridge and escape. However, the phantasm, their leader, has already made it across. And what does he do? He takes his knife and slashes the ropes of the bridge, saying, Let's see how much you'll sacrifice just to catch me. He could not care less about his fellow vipers, about the people that follow him. He literally could not care less. They're like, surely he would not do this to us. We're still on this bridge too. He cut those ropes. He does not care about you. You need to get a new job after this. If you survive this fall, please get yourself a new job. Please. Eli Lisa commented on this episode of the Webtoon and said, Ugh, of course they're going to save the vipers falling from the bridge. Do they deserve it? No. Should they let them fall? Yes. Will they? No. (laughs) So when we come back from this short musical interlude, we are talking about our dragons and the choice that they make. Do they go after the phantasm or do they save the vipers and the governor who are falling as this bridge is making its way down? We'll be right back. Episode 144 of Sub-Zero, the phantasm cut the bridge, leaving the dragons, the vipers, and the governor to fall. Cairo is preparing to shift, and he says it's either the governor or that masked bastard. We can't get them both. And Clove is like, I know that. And guess what they do? They save the governor. Which I probably would do too. I don't know. I think there's a lot of people who would go after the phantom phantasm. The phantom phantasm. There are a lot of people who would go after the leader of the vipers, but I think Josh and I, if we were in this situation, my husband and I would probably save the people who were falling and hope for another chance to get the phantasm later. So I really relate to Cairo and Clove here. As Clove saves the governor, a viper attacks her and taunts her and says, let's see that blue dragon now. Fly, you damn beast. And I wanted to jump into this webtoon and be like, hold up, sir. Calm down. You don't have to talk to her like that. <laughs> I get that you're on the villain's side here, but chill, okay? Don't talk to Clove like that. I just want to jump in there and say that and then jump right back out and continue reading the story. So we see Clove get those glowing lines, you know, those markings by her eyes. And she puts her hand on the viper's mask and, boof, shards of ice appear And Cairo, in his dragon form, looks surprised. The phantasm was watching. Once again, phantasm is always watching Clove. Definitely saw that too. Even Clove is surprised, wondering how she did that just now. It's finally over, and the governor whimpers his apologies. I do not forgive him personally. It doesn't really look like Clove or Cairo forgive him either. The dragons will be removing his titles and relieving him of his duties, and replacing him with Hina, which is a very logical decision and I I support it. So they get back to the village where the people see the governor is arrested. And that must've been such a nice sight for them to see. You know, like when you have a corrupt politician in charge of your land and has been mismanaging the money, mismanaging the food, and you have been suffering because of their selfish decisions. It must be so satisfying To see them get their comeuppance, to be arrested, to be stripped of their title. It's good. And Clove wanted them to see it. You know, she wanted to make an example out of this governor. I think it's within her power and within Cairo's power to like kill him. They could execute him right there. But that's not the kind of leaders they are. They're showing the town and the village what kind of leaders they are. Hina accepts the position as leader. And now we know the grain is actually going to get to the people who need it the most. Suddenly, Clove feels faint and Cairo catches her. And I love how three random village ladies, like go back and look at this panel in episode 144. When Clove is feeling faint and Cairo is there to catch her, three random village ladies are like, (gasps) I always feel like these characters are us. (laughs) Just fangirling and enjoying the romance. So Clove lies down in bed and she's shivering with Cairo by her side. She is not feeling well, and it probably has something to do with her using her powers earlier. One of my favorite moments in these batches of episodes is when Cairo gets into the bed with Clove and spoons her. It's so adorable, so soft and so gentle, so cuddly. And Cairo says, remember to take care of yourself. You can't help anyone when you are injured yourself. This nation needs you. I need you." And Clove thinks to herself, what a strange feeling. Despite the distance between us, the anger, the lingering feeling of betrayal, I can't deny I missed this. So cute. I'm happy that even though they're in a rocky part of their marriage, they're in a rocky part of their relationship, they're still able to be there for each other. He's there to remind her to take care of herself and she's there to be comforted by him. It's, it's really great. MangaGeek33 commented on this episode of the webtoon and said, I think there's two reasons as to why Clove could be so exhausted. One, purple dragons. Two, she didn't necessarily shift, but she accessed her dragon's power. Also, I'm not sure if anyone else noticed, but the marking on her back seems brighter than before. I noticed, manga geek 33 I did see that when I was first reading it and on reread when I was preparing this podcast episode. I was like, wait, her markings don't look as faded to me. And I'm definitely noticing it's in the back of a lot of people's minds whether Clove is so tired and feeling faint because maybe she's pregnant. Maybe those purple dragon babies are on the way. I do think it's probably more the second option. She didn't shift, but she did access the dragon's power and that takes a toll on her body because she doesn't properly shift. Maybe that's the case. Either way, after this short musical interlude, the journey continues and we are going to the hot springs where some salty, spicy things happen. We will be right back. episode 145 of Sub-Zero, Aaron is with Reina, and they're watching and commenting on the old white-haired lady who just joined their group, thanks to the Grand Marshal. So the Grand Marshal tells her he's going after the Phantasm. Everybody is going after the Phantasm, Rhizo. Get in line, okay? (laughs) Everybody wants to know who the Phantasm is, and this lady says she's heard the name before, and He is the one that has the relic, okay? So for us who like to come up with theories, we need to write this down. The phantasm has the relic, the ancient relic drawn from the original Azure beast, which will come up again in this finale. So important information. With the relic, they can unlock, and then she was gonna keep talking, but then they got cut off by a soldier who was like, oh, be quiet, sir. I wanted to hear this. What does the relic unlock? Probably the dragon's power, but anyway, this interrupting soldier says, have you all lost your damn minds? One of you is talking about relics like a child. The other is a blind witch inflicting wounds on herself that she calls dragon marks. This guy really needs to read the room because he's about to get punished for saying that. So the old lady says, my poor old sister once thought the same about me. Everyone did. Interesting. My poor old sister is it older sister or old sister like she died? My, my poor old sister. You know, that could be interpreted a lot of ways. SR Fournier 27 commented on this episode of the Webtoon and said, Cloves' mom has a sister? When I first saw that comment, I had to scroll all the way back up and read that line again. My poor old sister once thought the same about me, everyone did. Interesting, so people think that this old lady is Cloves' mom's sister. Anton Bedoy commented and said, there aren't really any candidates other than Cloves' mom. So that's where we're landing on this for now. I am going with this theory. (laughs) I just jumped right on. Didn't come up with it, but I'm enjoying it. I think it's juicy, so I'm here for it. The old lady grabs him by the chin, the soldier who was saying, you blind witch, and tells him she may not be able to see, but she has the greatest vision of all. And then she takes that needle, the same needle she was using to give herself dragon marks. And I'm pretty sure she stabs that soldier's eyes out because Rizo was like, I'm going to leave you two to this. I'm going to go. I do not need to watch this. And yet he was kind of smiling. I think he enjoys this like explicit violence. I think that's right up his alley. So then we cut to Clove having a haunting dream again. In the dream, she hears a voice saying, you have to find it, the source. Find the source, Clove. And then she wakes from her nightmare. Back in the village, Hina's doing a really great job and it's time for the dragons to leave. I do hope the village will continue to be okay. Now that they've gotten rid of the corrupt governor, I'm hoping that Hina can bring them to greatness and like they can be a normal village where people have enough food to eat and their economy is good, and they're not being abused or hurt. But there's a part of me that's like, what's to stop the vipers from coming back and terrorizing the people? I guess I need to know more about the viper's goals because what were they taking the grain for in the first place? Like they were taking a lot of grain. Are they trying to amass wealth? How wicked are they? Do they like to hurt the common people just for the sake of it? Because if they do, that's not great. Because I saw a viper watching the royal tour go off into the distance. I assume that Viper is watching them because they want to follow the dragons, but they now know that this village is left unprotected, which makes me nervous. I hope that if we ever check in with Hina again, she didn't die. (laughs) Like that's my fear right now. So our dragons reach the hot springs. Truly beautiful. I love how this is drawn. And I have to say, I'm a big hot springs fan. I am a hot springs person. I love going to natural hot springs. I go to artificial ones. (laughs) I like going into hot pools, cold pools. I like doing a lot of this like bathing and (laughs) hanging out probably because I grew up watching anime and there was usually a hot springs episode or beach episode. So I just love the water like that. I honestly wish I was at the hot springs right now. But what's interesting is that in these hot springs, there are some animals. And I did not recognize what kind of animals these were, but some people in the comments were like, are those capybaras? And I Googled it and I think so. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right. Capybaras, those are real animals. And I wonder if they like hot springs in real life. I'll have to do some more research, have to watch a nature documentary on the capybara (laughs) so I can find out. So we go to Cairo and Clove at the hot springs and she's deep in thought about how inconsistent her powers are and what would have happened if she couldn't conjure them in that moment. I mean, honestly, she would have died probably. She was able to defend herself with those ice shards. So that's good. But I also could see being really worried, like how will I protect myself in the future? And is this something I can rely on? She says, for some reason, I also keep having the same dream over and over. It sounds strange, but I almost feel as if those mountains are calling to me. And when she said that, I wondered if that's where the source is, that the dream voice is telling her, find the source, Clove. It's like, well, some mountains are calling to you, so it could very well be there. Cairo knows that she's still upset with him, but he's glad that they're still able to make a great team. And so am I. And then Clove does something sudden, She loosens her robe, basically almost taking it all the way off to Cairo's surprise, and she says she's going to enjoy the hot springs, and Cairo is so flustered. We have not seen him flustered like this in a long time, and he says, you think this is funny now, is it? What's this? Some kind of taunt? And then Cairo slips into the water. (laughs) A lot of people in the comments were like, ha ha, now what's happened to you, Cairo? How does it feel to be the one to fall in the water now? When we come back from this short musical interlude, we are talking about another couple kissing and having what I would say one of the most interesting, surprising kisses in this entire webtoon. So we'll be right back. episode 146 of Sub-Zero, Cairo is thrashing around in that water and Clove is laughing at him. And then she says, we can call this payback for the day we met. Yes, we can, Clove. (laughs) Snaps. Snaps for Clove. That was a great move. So funny enough, Clove doesn't join him in the hot springs at all. She really was there just to taunt him. I love how later when Cairo shows up, He's just like in wet clothes and everyone's staring at him. And Karis asks her brother, I don't mean to pry, but did you mean to wash that particular set of robes? (laughs) And so Cairo goes back to his tent, but Clove is already in there. And she said, they'll be sharing a tent tonight if he doesn't mind. And of course he doesn't mind. And then she apologizes for teasing him and admits that they do make a great team. And she says, whatever happens, I'm thankful I can call you my husband. Aw, that's so sweet. And Cairo hugs her and says, I can't tell you how relieved I am hearing you say those words. And they both say, I miss you. They missed each other. So after that heartwarming, beautiful moment between Cairo and Clove, we transfer over to Reyna and Aaron, which is another ship. And I have been shipping them for a while now and never did quite ship Aaron with Clove. And I didn't really ship Raina with anybody for a while because she can be a difficult pill to swallow. Let's just say that. And she still kind of is in this scene, as we will talk about. But she asks Aaron if he ever thought there would be a day where he would wear a crimson soldier uniform, right? And Aaron says no, and he thinks to himself that he never thought there would be a day where he would leave clove, but here he is. And Aaron asks, what about you? I can't imagine a woman brought up in the palace would want to work in the heat amongst men every day. Rena says, someone with a face like mine doesn't have many chances of doing well in the palace. She continues by saying, there was someone I cared for once but his status alone made the court nervous to even let him stand next to a woman like me. I'm wondering if she's talking about Cairo because I always got the vibe that Reina was into Cairo. And Aaron says, only an idiot would devalue someone by a mere mark. We all have scars. You might just not be able to see them. Besides, that doesn't change the fact that you are highly attractive. (laughs) Sir, did you just say that out loud? Aaron is bold. He is bold like that. He just told her right to her face that she is highly attractive. And Raina asks if he really means it. And Aaron says he does. And the horse Zephyr, who never fails to make me laugh, (laughs) looks up at them, kind of surprised because Aaron closes a gap between his face and Raina's. His lips get really close to hers. And then he says, I can't talk about a tease, like that was a tease moment, got right up in her face, almost kissed her and then said, I can't. And he tells her he can't because things are just too confusing right now. So Raina interrupts him saying she can tell he's still hanging on to clove. And I wonder if she's a little bit more heated now because he literally heated her up and then like turned the oven off. (laughs) He turned that gas on, he got the fire going and then he's like, "Never mind, I'm turning it off. No, 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 no. There's no pot that needs to be boiled tonight. (laughs) That's what happened. So she's a little sharper than I think she would have been if he didn't do that. She says, the Azure dragon, you think she truly cares about anything that happens to you? The dragons are in a league of their very own. Yet you're so pitiful. You can't even see that. You blue bloods are all the same. Then Aaron grabs her wrist and kisses her. He's like, that is what I needed. It is back on. (laughs) And then she punches him in the stomach, tackles him to the ground, and kisses him back in front of the fire, in front of Zephyr the horse, who is just gagged. He is just standing there in shock. You can't even see his eyes. (laughs) like It's just white space. He is shocked. He is shooketh the horse. I loved that moment though. I really do. And I'll tell you guys why after I read some of these comments. So God, I love Webtoon commented on this episode and said, Zephyr right now. Seriously? Right in front of my salad? (laughs) That really was Zephyr's reaction. Laura Bundon commented and said, of course their first kiss would be super violent. (laughs) And I low key love it. I high key love it. I really did enjoy this kiss a lot. Makia commented and said, I don't think Aaron hesitated because he's still in love with Clove. I think it's because he can't be sure where Reyna stands with him. Clove, the Cerulean clan, and all the people he's loyal to. Judging by what she said when he held back, she clearly hasn't gotten over her prejudices yet. No, she was like, you bluebloods, they're all like this. That's very prejudiced speaking. Hurricane commented and said, I love enemies to lovers, and Sub-Zero is literally feeding us like royals. All three couples are variations of the trope. Yes, and that is why I come back to Sub-Zero again and again and again, because I, too, love the trope of enemies to lovers, and Juniper is so great at it. Punching someone and then ferociously making out with them, right up my alley. Those are the types of YA books I like to read. Give me a young adult fantasy novel with an enemies to lover trope, I will be reading it in like two nights. Give it to me, I will read it all. So this was great, (laughs) I really enjoyed that. So we see the soldier who got his eyes poked out by the needle, I assume. And the old lady with the white hair says, "'Soon we shall have a preliminary vessel.' The solution we seek lies with the phantasm's relic." So who is the preliminary vessel? They'll have it soon? Who is that? What is that? Is that a person? I assume that's a person and the phantasm has the relic, which is connected to the original Azure dragon. She continues to say the blood of the ancient one, bring it to me and I will show you true power. Uh Uh-oh, I don't like the sound of that. It's very coded what she's saying, like it'll all make sense when we're done reading this comic, but for right now we're just putting the puzzle pieces together and some of them aren't fitting for me yet because I just don't know what's going on. Like I've got some puzzle pieces on the floor that I haven't even factored into the puzzle yet and some of it is upside down and (laughs) some of them are turned the wrong way, but I'm trying my best. I'm coming up with theories with you and I'm having a great time. Tribal underscore Scorpion commented and said, I'm calling it again. Ryzo wants to create new dragons with the relic, probably so he can become one himself, and the old lady's obsession ties in well with his own ambition. I like that theory, and I could really see that happening. And then we go to Clove, who, like she's possessed, wakes up in the middle of the night while she's laying there next to Cairo and just gets right up, walks right out of the tent The guards are really disturbed by this. They insist she returns back to the tent, but Clove yells in a voice I assume isn't even her own, really, silence. And we see a bright blue light and we go to the vipers who say, it's time. Let's move out. Like they saw the light and now it's time for them to go. The episode ends with Cairo waking up and Clove is nowhere to be found When we come back, we are talking about the mid season finale, episode 147, and some blood is shed. Some arrows are hitting some dragons, some sacrifices are being made. We will talk about this when we come back. episode 147, the mid-season finale of Sub-Zero, Cairo tells Karis that Clove is missing and Cairo is ready to comb the entire forest looking for her. We get this really funny exchange between Cairo and Norin, because Norin asks, why did you take off your robes? And Cairo says, it's more comfortable for me when I shift. If it bothers you, avert your eyes. <laughs> Even though I was stressed out about Clove here, I still laughed. (laughs) Their dynamic is hilarious. Like, what's it going to be like when they're brother-in-laws? Because we know that's happening, right? So we find Clove in a place that she finds familiar. And then she sees someone and she asks, Mother? But they respond, Not quite. 300 years ago, I bound my spirit to her bloodline. My form manifests itself in a way you can understand. I like this character design of the original Azure dragon. I'm enjoying the ears being drawn differently. I just love it. So Clove asks for help to shift into the dragon's form. And that is a great question. It's like, help me, please. How do I access the dragon? Because everybody else is transforming. Everyone else is shifting, except for me. And I'm the one getting attacked the most. Please help me. (laughs) That's how I would have begged for help. I think Clove was more elegant than I was, but that is what she needs help with. And the original dragon says, I'm afraid there is no time for this now. And I was like, no, then why are you here? Help her, help our girl out. She needs to learn how to shift. Apparently the original Azure dragon called her here to warn her. She says they seek to destroy us, to harness power free from the Azure vessel. Rosa Aternam commented on this episode of the Webtoon and said, so if I understood right, the reason why Clove hasn't been able to shift is because the Azure Dragon's power has weakened because not only has too many vessels died in dragon form, but because the vipers have been harvesting from the original source. That's what I'm taking away from this as well. And I appreciated this commenter kind of summing it up for us because the original Azure Dragon continues to say, beware of your own spilled blood. For when unleashed, its power is as potent to you as it is to them. Now go, crimson blood has already been spilled tonight. And we see this image of Cairo all bloody and Clove is released and she's frightened for Cairo. So speaking of Cairo, Some guards approach him and say that they did see Clove earlier that night. She unleashed a blast of ice at them while looking right through them like she couldn't even see them. And suddenly a dagger is thrown at Cairo and Norin is there to deflect it. The vipers are here. A lot of them. Probably the most vipers we've seen in the comics so far. So Cairo and Karis shift to fight. And Clove sees the light of that in the forest and she runs toward it. During the fight, Karis points out that Cairo's been hurt, which he has been, and they need to retreat. She wants to get out of here. She's like, this is too many vipers. (laughs) You know, we're at a disadvantage. Let's go. Cairo then shoves Karis out of the way and is struck in the shoulder by an arrow, a poisoned arrow. We know that the vipers have this poison. As the Vipers release more arrows, Clove runs in to help Cairo. And as she does that, she gets an arrow in her back. Cairo suddenly thinks, please, not this, not again. Seeing a flashback of his young self and the Azure Dragon, Clove's mom. And so Cairo turns around and makes sure that he takes several more arrows to the back instead of Clove and together, Our two dragons fall off the cliff and into the river. Tywin Roar commented on this episode and said, In this way, Cairo was atoning for how Clove's mother died by making sure her daughter, his love, survived. I think so too. And I think that's really sweet. Underwater, Clove thinks about how she's almost lost everything she cares about and she is not willing to lose Cairo too. So her eyes and the markings around them begin to glow. Even Karis sees the blue light that Clove is emitting from above. And we see Clove with horns all of a sudden and scales. This isn't like any transformation we've seen before, but hey, Clove is shifting. This is different. We have not seen this. Aya Curran87 commented and said, I think it's more of a partial shift unless this is the original form of the dragons that was lost to time. If anything, it's probably more efficient. A dragon is a big target, but in that form, she is far more deadly, plus being able to wield ice. Yeah, she's the last person I would want to see on the battlefield if she was not on my team. I don't know if it's Clove who's in control, but whoever it is is sure to freeze hell over. Honestly, this has been a long time coming, so freeze them all. That's a really great comment. And I hope it's Clove who's in control at this time. You know, I hope that she's able to access this power and she is in control. Kimberly McCann commented on this episode and said, Do not spill your blood. Clove proceeds to throw herself in front of arrows. I know. We were just talking about how potent your blood is, Clove, and how dangerous that is and not to spill it. And she's like, here we go. Taking arrows for my husband, which is a fair, a fair excuse. I get it. Awesome Abby One commented and said, did anyone notice that she healed Cairo? Yay, dragon Clove. See, this is not confirmed for me yet. I need to see more proof of this, but it's very much a possibility that Clove can also heal which would open up a whole new world and would be very exciting. I am excited to see more of Dragon Clove. And I'm worried about Cairo, but I think he's going to be okay. I'm curious if we're going to start off when we come back by revealing who that phantasm is. It just feels like that's going to be the next big twist in the story that will lead us towards the end of season two and into season three. All right, that was the breakdown of episodes 143 through 147 of Sub-Zero. Don't forget, if you would like to become a part of the Girl Wonder Patreon, you can do that at patreon.com slash Wonder and get early access to podcast episodes. All right, let's wrap this up. Wow, you made it to the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening to Girl Wonder. We currently have no sponsors, so here's a shout out to a random listener instead. This week's shout out goes to ScorpioSam04. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. New episodes of Girl Wonder are uploaded on Saturdays. I'm Joe Rochelle, and we'll talk again next week. Bye!